Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge Podcast. My guest today is Rod Kurtz, entrepreneur, author, uh, currently the entrepreneur in residence at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. He's also previously held editorial positions and uh, editorial management positions at Inc. Magazine, AOL. Uh, he was at Amex Open Forum, which is now, I believe, American Express Business Class. And uh, just a great advisor and uh, friend to entrepreneurs, large and small. Welcome to the podcast, Rod Kurtz. Brian, great to be with you. We usually do this with a glass of scotch, but it's a little early here in LA, so we'll uh, we'll do it with coffee. But uh, great to see you. Thanks for having me and, and for that kind introduction. Yeah, this is a long time coming. I've known you for a long time. I a think it's time. a sign of a true friendship. I don't even remember how we first met. We've known each other so long, but yeah. uh, it was great seeing you out here in LA recently with your wonderful family. And uh, yeah, like you said, long time in the making. I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast and now uh, glad to be a part of it. We, we love it. We love it. All right. So let me ask you a first question. You've had, as best as I can describe it, a circuitous route to get to where you got today in, in out in Los Angeles. How did that happen? Well, uh, MapQuest got me lost along the way, <laughs> if, if you remember MapQuest. No, yes. uh, no I, I think that's what, what has made it fun is that, um, you know, so many people sit down and they, they come up with a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. And not to say I didn't do any planning, but I would say I, I sort of winged it more than I, than I didn't. Um, as you mentioned, I, I started, you know, the first half of my career in corporate media, uh, had held editorial positions at Inc. and Business Week and AOL and eventually HuffPost when AOL acquired HuffPost. And I'd always sort of been an entrepreneur within the corporate world. I always sort of had these side hustles and partnerships. I think it was partly because I grew up in a family business surrounded by entrepreneurs and I covered entrepreneurs as a journalist. So I always had this, this instinct of, of wanting to go out on my own. And I remember uh, a lot of people would ask me like, hey, you're so great at telling entrepreneurs stories. When are you going to do it yourself? And I said, I'd love to someday. I just, you know, I need to come up with the right idea. And so uh, this June, it'll actually be 12 years, which is hard to believe wow. since I went out on my own. And basically back then, um, you know, I saw the way media was evolving and the way brands were getting into different kinds of content, whether it was social media or blog posts or video. And, you know, I welcome good storytelling. The problem is most of it wasn't good. And I saw brands big and small spending all this money and all these resources creating content that no one wanted to read or watch. And so eventually a light bulb went off and I thought, what if a classically trained storyteller, a journalist kind of mm -hmm. crossed over to the other side and started working with these companies directly to help them create good stuff? And so it was, I wouldn't say it was a half-baked idea, but it wasn't fully baked. And I just thought about, you know, basically my approach was going to be no different than when I was a quote-unquote traditional journalist. I'd come in, I'd meet the, the founders the people involved, ask a lot of questions, figure out, you know, what's interesting about this company, no different than if I were writing a cover story for Inc. Magazine. And it turns out I was on to something. It was pretty early on in the whole content marketing movement. 
And it just sort of struck a chord with people kind of bringing that authentic storytelling. And as you mentioned, I was fortunate to have American Express be one of my very first clients who I'm still with uh, to this day. And it just kind of grew from there. Um, I wouldn't say it was a straight line. I wouldn't say, you know, I knew exactly what I was doing. But, you know, going on 12 years into this, I've come up with a formula, I think, that that seems to really resonate with both these companies and the people they're trying to reach. Now, you've had success with you know, corporate brands, like you mentioned, American Express, but then also entrepreneurs, right? Tell me, tell me how that evolved, like where you just said, what did you say? Hey, your your brand sucks. I can make it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the, the great thing about working with big brands like Amex and I also work with Intuit is obviously, you know, their household names and they have yeah. incredible reach and, and resources. The reality is those are big ships and I'm not going to steer them in a whole new direction, which is why I love that my portfolio is a whole mix of everything from pre-launch startups to early stage startups to emerging brands. And I think the, you know, the, the smaller ones, the younger ones can be more fun because I can, you know, leave my thumbprint on them because mm -hmm. they're at such a, a foundational stage where they're still figuring out what their story is. And I come in and kind of crack the code of, you know, here's what's most interesting about it. Because as you know, you know, entrepreneurship is a 24 seven endeavor and you're living it and breathing it and you can't escape it. And I think the, the through line that I see is some of these entrepreneurs is smart as they are in their respective fields, they're just too close to their own story and they, they can't see what's cool about it. So I come in as kind of an outsider and point out like, you realize you're totally overlooking this and you need to, yeah. you know, you need to yeah. be showing photos of this or, you know, whatever it might be. And the, the brands I work with run the gamut from, you know, apparel to food and beverage to technology. And I think that's what keeps it fun for me that I, you know, it's, it's no one size fits all. And every time I come in, it's kind of a, a, a choose your own adventure of, of where we're going to take this brand. You know, you've been doing it for a while, so you've developed a, a hell of a portfolio. I mean, you work with some big names, but there has to be that element of trust, you know, because telling a brand story and for the entrepreneur to put that in your hands, um, how do you how do you develop that trust? I mean, is it just say, hey, look, here's all the work that I've done before, but what what ultimately gets them to say, OK, you're my guy? Yeah, I mean, it, it is about building that trust. Um, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, going on 12 years into this, uh, the entire business has been built word of mouth, which is mm -hmm. always a good sign that it's either people who knew me in my past life or people who knew people who knew me in, in my past life. Uh, you mentioned my role at UCLA, which uh, has been great uh, on many levels, but in part that these founders get to know me through the program uh, at the Venture Accelerator, and they get a sense of my style and my approach. I think I'm kind of a breath of fresh air because I show up, you know, in a bomber jacket and Air Jordans, which isn't, <laughs> you know, typical in an academic setting, and they yeah. they get the sense that I'm kind of a no nonsense, roll up the sleeves kind of guy. And, you know, it's funny because when I was first starting this, I wanted to figure out what it would look like, you know, both personally, but also what this company would look like. And I realized pretty early on that while it could, you know, be a 50 person agency at this point, mm -hmm. I didn't want that. And I don't think my clients want that. You know, what I realized is everyone who wanted to work with me 
wanted to work with me, not, you know, subordinates and, and people I'd be handing off projects to, which obviously you get into some scalability issues that, you know, right. I do have contractors I pull in to, to help with some of the heavy lifting. Um, but people wanted, you know, my sensibility and experience on this. I've, as a, a longtime Mad Men fan, uh, I've had more than one person say I'm kind of a Don Draper type where I get up to the whiteboard and I'm mapping out the whole creative campaign, which is the most fun for me. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's, it's partly that personal touch. You know, I've worked with a lot of different agencies and PR firms where, you know, the founder comes in and makes the big sale and immediately, you know, hands off all the work to, to someone else. And so uh, I think quality diminishes because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a trade-off. Again, this could be a lot bigger than it is, but I feel really blessed at this point that I get to pick and choose who I want to work with. And people always ask me, I think you've asked me, you know, who are you looking to connect with? And I'm like, I have two main criteria, you know, a cool person doing a cool thing and something that yeah. I can stand behind where I'm not just taking any business that comes in the door. I want to be really passionate about the story that we're trying to tell together. So, all right, at, at UCLA, you, the Anderson School of Management, you are the entrepreneur in residence. And is it, a, is, is it every semester is a new cohort? Is it every year? How does that work? And tell me yeah. about the, the people who are coming into the class. Absolutely. So I've been with UCLA, uh, in total, going on about a decade, I started uh, judging what's called the Loeb Awards, which is mm -hmm. the most prestigious uh, honor in business journalism. It's essentially akin to the Pulitzer Prize, but just for business journalism. And as I started spending more time in L.A., I asked the people over there, hey, you know, I'm right around the corner. Is there more we could be doing together? And unbeknownst to me, they have this great venture accelerator that had just started, I think, in 2016 and connected with the people over there, just really hit it off. We kind of spoke the same language. And basically it's it's an incubator based at the business school. Uh, you don't technically have to have a UCLA affiliation to be a part of it, though most people do, but the, the criteria is just, if you're a great Southern California-based startup, you're eligible to apply and it is competitive. A lot of people apply to it. Mm -hmm. And basically there's a two-month program and a six-month program where these founders come in and they have access to this great uh, office space and conference space, uh, but more importantly, access to programming and mentors like myself that walk you through, in my case, it's, you know, storytelling and media and marketing, but we have legal experts, we have, you know, manufacturing experts, really every aspect of business that you'd, you'd want some advice. And they go through this program um, and it's it's a very diverse range of industries. We just had the kickoff with the most recent cohort and there were businesses ranging from plant-based jerky to a nanotechnology diamond company. So it, it sort of shows you and, and everything in between. There's ed tech, there's med tech. And it's great for me because uh, it really helps me keep my hand on the pulse of like, what are the new ideas out there? You know, I'm old enough to say like, what are the kids talking about these days? You know, where, <laughs> where's, where's the next big idea? Um, and it's a lot of fun. You know, it's really rewarding because again, they're at such an early stage where, mm. you know, they don't know what they don't know yet. And, you know, bringing, you know, more years of experience than I'd like to admit, um, it's a very gratifying thing. And what ends up happening is they go through this program and 
oftentimes they come out on the other side, they're more mature as a company, they've raised some money and they've gotten to know me and they say, hey, we don't wanna lose this relationship, can we keep working together? So it's almost like my own farm system of, of new startups that I can work with. Do you have anything like, where are they now? I mean, if you've been doing this for a decade, I'm sure there are some great success stories that you have, right? Yeah, no, that, that's a good idea. I should create some kind of mood board or something of, of yeah. where they've gone. But uh, I guess one example that comes to mind is uh, a beverage company called Hio uh, that is a non-alcoholic social tonic that as uh, this sober curious movement uh, has picked up and people are, you know, ditching the bottle and trying to drink less. Uh, it's this great uh, seltzer, essentially really flavorful. There's four different flavors now where you you drink it and it's got all these, you know, nootropics and other special ingredients in it that kind of gives you a natural high. Mm. And it's the craziest thing because you'll you'll be drinking a can or two and you're obviously not drunk because there's no alcohol in it, but you're like, I'm feeling good. I don't know why, but I'm just kind of feeling good. You know, the stress of the day is has gone away. And I think that's an example of I first met them at, when they were going through the accelerator before they even had a name. And then to mm. see it, you know, not only the product come to life, but the brand and the story we've been trying to tell. And now I think they're in 500 stores across the oh, country, if, if not more. And so I, I think that kind of thing is really gratifying when this went from like a kernel of an idea to now I can go to my local store and buy it. It's super cool. And, you know, there's example after example of that. Uh, another uh, founder and friend who I met through the Accelerator runs a great canned wine company called Bessa, where they've been doing events in L.A. that, um, you know, are drawing sometimes 2000 people at a time. And just to see wow. this, you know, come to life and people enjoying this product. It's really fun. I would say I'm kind of partial to the the CPG brands because it's something you can touch and feel and taste and eat or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Uh, and just to see the way, you know, not only the product is resonating in the marketplace, but the story that I help them tell uh, is a whole lot of fun for me. Do you find that, I mean, technology must have, uh, it must have evolved tremendously since you first started. Um, what what are you seeing from a technology perspective that companies are doing today? Obviously, maybe that they haven't been doing before. And you mentioned CPG. What what kind of role is AI playing in the cohort conversations today? I guess uh, a twofold answer to that. One is you know more broadly with technology. I sort of joke that. The good news is these days it's easier than ever to start a business. The yes. bad news is these days it's easier than ever to start a business. <laughs> you know, it's very, very crowded out there, you know, especially in the food and beverage category where you're competing for shelf space and there's so many new brands. You know, just look at your Instagram feed and, and you yes. see how many brands are out there. Uh, but I think that underscores, and, and this is a point that I make at, at UCLA and beyond, that it makes it that much more important that you tell your story effectively because people have so many choices in the marketplace. They want to go with brands that they can align with that sort of speak to their values. And, you know, they sort of want to follow along on the journey of this brand. It's funny you ask about AI because, uh, you know, this obviously we're hearing more and more and more about it. Uh, this latest cohort at UCLA, uh, I sort of do some speed pitching with them during the first session, and there were a number of, you know, quote unquote, AI based companies. And they were sort of asking me as, as a storyteller and someone in media and someone who gets, you know, 200 PR pitches a day, what I thought about the, the AI piece of the story. 
And I said, you know, look, I think it's part of your story. Um, but just based on the pitches I get, and I know you get a million of them too, I just mm -hmm. see AI over and over and over again. And I think it's sort of gotten to the point where saying we're an AI-based or AI-powered company is a little bit becoming like, well, our company uses electricity. Like, of course, yeah. you know, like it's yeah. not that yeah. novel anymore. Yeah. It's sort of the pipes that's help helping to run things on the back end. So yeah. again, I, I think if it's a, a huge piece of your business model, it's worth mentioning, but I don't think it's the the distinction that it used to be. It's just not as cool as it used to be because it's going to be everywhere in, in some capacity. So if you're out there and you're using AI in your company in some capacity, again, it's part of your story, but that's not why, you know, I'm yeah. going to write about you or why I'm going to invest in you. It's it's almost table stakes at this point. It, it was a very short-lived honeymoon, you yeah. know, with, with AI. Um, well, that's interesting because I want to I want to tackle brand storytelling because you are a top expert in that, in, in my opinion. I mean, you really... I've seen you, the work that you've done helping brands differentiate themselves in a marketplace, but effectively doing it. You know, as Jerry Seinfeld used to say, hey, sometimes the road less traveled is less traveled for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So, so, you know, there's a benefit from, from taking that well-worn path because it's easy, it's accessible. A lot of people are on it. It's pretty competitive to break off and take that road less traveled, to distinguish yourself in a marketplace, whether it's your product or your service or some unique selling proposition, you better have a great story that people can identify with. So what do you tell companies, especially the ones that are coming into your cohort, about brand storytelling? Well, first, it's it's recognizing how important it is. Um, I have in in my present my kickoff presentation with UCLA, I have this a uh, few slides with Richard Branson, who, as you know, I've I've gotten to spend a lot of time with yeah. over the years, and I have this great quote. Uh, you know, I don't have it committed to memory, but something about you know we would be nothing without our story. You know, it's why people want to buy from us. It's why people want to work for us. It's why people want to work with us. And if you look at you know the Virgin portfolio of companies, I think they're you know, best in class in terms of getting their story out there and getting people excited about, you know, wanting to fly on their planes or take cruises on their ships or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, the the cornerstone of my model, something I developed years ago, uh, is something I, I've dubbed the bar pitch. And the origin of that, you know, everyone's familiar with an elevator pitch, you know, 60 seconds, you try to cram everything in there and it ends up being, you know, word salad. And so this was born out of, uh, you know, my years at, at Inc. Magazine and beyond where I would go to a lot of events with entrepreneurs, whether I was uh, emceeing or moderating panels or whatever. And these events would eventually culminate in some kind of happy hour or cocktail hour. And, you know, I'd have my badge on that said, you know, senior editor Inc. Magazine, and people would come running up to me with their business card and want to shake my hand because, you know, they wanted to get in the magazine. And I was always looking for a good story. So I'd say, hey, you know, great to meet you. You know, tell me about, you know, your company, what you do. And probably nine times out of 10, they would launch into, you know, we're a B2B solutions provider disrupting the such and such. And they're, you know, talking in all this <laughs> jargon. 
And I'd be standing there, you know, and I used to think it and eventually I started saying that, you know, I'm standing there with a, a drink in my hand and I'd look at them and I'd say, dude, we're in a bar. Just talk to me. Talk to me like a human being. Like, yeah. what do you actually do? Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Yeah. And so I developed this idea of the bar pitch that if you walk into a bar and, you know, someone says, you know, tell me about your company, you just say it in plain spoken language. And sort of the formula I've developed is ideally the bar pitch is just two sentences. It's, um, we've got a little siren in the background here. Um, basically two sentences. The first is ident identifying a relatable problem in the marketplace, i.e. the status quo sucks. And yeah. then simply how you uniquely solve it is the second sentence. Um, it's sort of this one-two punch of here's what's wrong with the the status quo, and here's why our solution is better. And you can always fan out from there. The thing I see where most people go wrong is that they are always trying to cram too much into a short period of time, and you end up drowning people with information. You know, yeah. of the 200 PR pitches I get every day, it's this giant block of text and yes. no one's getting through that. You're just trying yeah. to tempt people. I, as I tell the founders at UCLA and all the brands I work with when we start on this bar pitch exercise, is all you're trying to do is invite intrigue and get people to say, whether you're talking to journalists or investors or prospective employees, the reaction you're going for is, Oh, that's cool. Tell me more. And yeah. then you can get into more detail. Um, it, it's, it's, to me, it's not rocket science, but I think people, it, it's almost like you're trying to pitch a music executive with your demo and you're trying to tell them everything all at once. And you think this is your yeah. one shot. Yeah. No, it's, it's better to be a little mysterious, invite that intrigue and get them to say, Oh, I'd, I'd really love to hear more about this because you're not going to land them on the first try um, with anything. <laughs> There are so many great takeaways that you just shared right there. You know, I love the fact that you said, you know, you're not going to land them, you know, with this with this bar pitch. You know, it's 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 a key feature, a key benefit, and it gets them curious. Okay, I'm I'm interested in more. It's like when you send out an email, you know, you, you're probably not going to land that deal, but you want them to pick up the phone and give you a call or respond. I think okay. people overshoot that. The best one, probably one of the best um, uh, descriptions of brand storytelling and like the ele elevator pitch or the bar pitch. I can't remember where it was, but it, it was about Hollywood scripts. And it said, describe this movie in 10 words or less. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you think it, this was so freaking brilliant. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, twins. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and you saw they, they did a Super Bowl commercial together. Yes, know, their yes, roles. Yeah. yes. But I'm like, wow, you know, and, and, and they just left that on it. And the movie was actually pretty funny. But like that visual that it created in my head, I never forgot that story. Of course, I don't remember who told it. But I said, man, that guy or woman absolutely nailed it. Yeah, no, it's it's a great example. And I think you know, sort of born out of the bar pitch um, is another philosophy I have where 
I tell people, you know, don't write what you think good writing should sound like if you're preparing for a speech. Don't speak like you think a good speech should sound like. It should just sound like you. And if you're kind of an irreverent brand that doesn't take itself too seriously, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, because people, I, I think at this point, again, with so many choices out there, they're able to pick up on on that authenticity and they know when you're, you know, just kind of putting out words for, for the sake of words. And so I, the reason I, I start with the bar pitch is because a lot of times companies come to me and say, hey, we're looking to get PR, we're looking to get media coverage. And I'm like, A, why? You know, is how is this going to benefit the bottom line? But B, have you figured out your story? Because you can go out there and hire a ten, twenty thousand dollar a month PR firm, but if you haven't figured out your core story, your bar pitch, they're going to be out there pitching, you know, some weird version of your story that doesn't even line up with what you're trying to do as a brand. And I'm very big on consistency. Where I see brands, even big brands, where uh, you know, you go to their website and it has one look and feel, and then you go to their social media and you're like, is this even the same company? It, it's entirely right. different. It's an entirely different uh, approach to it. And so I'm a big believer in getting your your story in order uh, before you figure out, you know, what these outer circles, you know, this idea of concentric circles that you can mm -hmm. fan out from there. And so, yeah, consistency is key, but it starts with that that core story. You know, th there's uh, again. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about the, the the businesses that go through your cohort. Do you ever recommend that you have your customers tell your story, like your customers develop your brand? I mean, people buy you for different reasons. Is there is there something in that where you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna find however many customers and say, why do you buy from us? What's what's our story? Yeah, that's an interesting question that I, I do get a lot. And I think it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg kind of thing where, okay, your customers might be buying you for a certain reason right now, but is that why you want them buying or even the type of people that you want buying? But I think the the good takeaway and the reason it's a good question is, you know, you should always be talking to your customers. You know, what do they like? What do they not like? You know, how often are they buying? For what occasion are they buying? Because um, that feedback is always helpful. I don't think it should solely drive decision making and the business, the direction you take the business, because sometimes it's about educating customers on how they should be using it as well. So I think it's a little bit of a, a give and, and take, but the important takeaway is, yes, you should always be talking to your customers, whether it's through surveys or, you know, even just looking at, um, you know, the reviews they're posting, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and sort of addressing that. And whether you use, you know, some kind of service or AI or just, you know, roll up the sleeves and do it yourself, that more than ever, it's important to, to have that dialogue with your customers, especially people yeah. who are complaining. Obviously, if people post, you know, a super nasty review and you can tell they're just a bitter, angry person, you know, maybe let them go. But, yeah. you know, people yeah. are offering some constructive feedback or, you know, weren't fully satisfied. I think people expect some kind of engagement at this point, you know, again, whether it's in the reviews or on your social media, that kind of thing. But, you know, especially if you're introducing, you know, 
either a new product or you know a new offering within a category or a new category altogether there is some you know customer education that comes with that and i think that's where uh content can can be very important again whether it's on your website with an faq or on social media you know trying to help with that that learning curve of what you're introducing to the marketplace you know i think most businesses are afraid to ask their customers why they buy from them because then all of a sudden they're going to, why do I want to poke that bear? They're going to wake <laughs> up and say, why do I buy from you? And then they're going to leave you. That's not the case. And and give them the opportunity. Let them know why you're doing it, but give them the opportunity to share that and you'll strengthen the relationship. All right. We're, we're in the home stretch. First of all, you're definitely coming back on my podcast. All right. So that's a given. We'll, we'll figure it out it. maybe in the, in the summer or, or early fall. Because uh, I have a dozen questions that I never even got off the ground asking you. Um, but this is, it, it really is fascinating, the whole idea of the brand storytelling. And you, I feel like, have a unique lens because you get these different p- businesses coming into your cohorts every two months, every six months, whatever it is. And you've had this for years. You should actually think about getting your own podcast. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You're you're not the first person to say that. I actually way back at Inc. and this is probably over 15 years ago. Actually hosted a couple podcasts before they were even a thing. And to show you how long ago this was, and how I'd like to think I was ahead of the curve. This was back when you had to literally plug your iPod into your computer to download podcasts, which yes. is why they didn't take off initially. We had to wait for the iPhone and, and being able to just have it come in automatically. Uh, no, I mean, as you know, I've, I've done, you know, TV, radio, all that for, yeah. uh, you know, I guess going on 20 years at this point, and and I do miss it, and it's why I relish opportunities like this. Uh, I think, you know, I love what you're doing with the podcast because it's just, you know, these long-form conversations with, you know, smart, interesting people. Hopefully I fall into that category. Uh, yeah, I have thought about it, I think, and, and I've helped la- a, a number of clients launch podcasts. You know, the challenge is obviously there's a lot out there, and, and that's why I love what you're doing, because it's it's no nonsense, and, you, you know, you bring together a really interesting chorus of voices. It's not just, you know, all one category of, of people, which I think keeps it interesting for the audience. But, uh, no, I appreciate that, and I think similar to, you know, when I was toying with the idea of starting my own business, um, you know, similarly with a podcast or something like that, you know, I'm waiting for the right idea, and and maybe I'll do it, and I'll have you on. Uh, we'll, we'll flip. Uh, I'm in. Flip I'm, in. Yeah. I'm in. And so for my listeners out there, tell me what you think. Should Rod Kurtz have his own podcast about, and, and I'll I'll preface it by saying that I think it should be on brand storytelling because there are so many elements to that. You could start there, or maybe that's just one topic, and you, you know, because you you have a lens really on everything that's happening around entrepreneurship, B2B, B2C, uh, startups, VC-backed. I mean, you you get to see all of it. So, Well, I, I like the, the peer pressure that if your audience pressures me enough, maybe I'll start it. Yeah. It's funny, about six months ago, I was... Uh, hanging out with uh, an entrepreneur friend and and she was lamenting just you know this is going wrong and this is going wrong and it's something i hear all the time and and i sort of joke uh you know that 90% of the time with my clients i end up being just business therapist where they're just venting <laughs> to me and they want someone to listen to and i'm like you know this would be 
a great idea for a podcast. We'll call it Shit Show, and it'll just be about all the shit shows that you run into as an entrepreneur, and obviously double meaning that it's it's a a shit show um, yeah. because you know that is a through line that you know so many things go wrong on this crazy journey. And having seen so much over the past you know twenty plus years, I always tell them you know look if everything feels like it's going right it's probably going wrong because things are yeah. supposed to go wrong along the way. If, if this were easy, everyone would do it. And it's how you, you know, navigate those boulders that fall in the middle of the road as you're, you're trying to plow forward. So that's one idea I've toyed with, but uh, no, obviously brand storing storytelling is something I'm very passionate about um, because I do think regardless of what industry you're in, and I've encountered a lot of really boring, unsexy companies, but they all have a story. Sometimes it's about the founder. Sometimes it's about the product. You know, that's sort of the, the knack that I've come up with is I come in and I can figure out, okay, what's most interesting here, even if you think it's not interesting at all. You know, I've worked with yeah. payroll companies, you know, not the sexiest industry in the world, but I'm able to find, you know, a storyline that we can get out there and get people excited about about the company. So yeah. uh, long-winded way of saying I'm, I'm flattered at the suggestion and, and taking it under advisement. All right. Well, we're going to have you back in the interim while you while you noodle that around. I'm going to have you back on my podcast because I, I want to get to these other questions that that I want to ask you about. So, well, uh, I, I appreciate that. You you know, I could talk to you all day, but uh, yes, I know we got to keep it somewhat tight for the audience uh, here. Yeah, yeah. I got I got my storytellers, and I'm going to mention him by name, Marcino Malior, who I like to mention who uh, is in Belfast, Northern Ireland, says, if you keep talking, he listens to me while he runs. So he says, if you keep talking, I'm going to wind up running 15 miles a day. And that's not good for me. <laughs> I love that. I so, love that. Um, all right. This, this really was fantastic. You know, I, I, I love the work you're doing. Like I said, you and I have been friends for a long time. Um, and, you know, what you're doing at, at the UCLA School, Anderson School of Management is is fantastic. I think they're lucky to have you. So keep doing that. And um, let's get you back on. And if anybody wants to connect with you to help you tell their story, what's the best way for people to reach you? Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate the kind words and, and the plug here. Um, yeah, I'm always, you know, just looking to have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs. You know, I have more work than I know what to do with uh, these days. But like I said, you know, my two main criteria are cool people doing cool things with with a cool story that I can help tell. So, yeah, I guess LinkedIn is probably just the best way. You know, just okay. Google Rod Kurtz, LinkedIn, R-O-D-K-U-R-T-Z. I think I'm the only one out there, or one of the few. Um, and yeah, just just shoot me a note. You know, always happy to, to have a conversation. Uh, my good friend Rob Deerdeck, who you know, uh, encouraged me years ago to, you know, always take a meeting with anyone because you never know where it's going to go. And, and that advice is, has been sound over the years because a lot of times, you know, I have these early stage conversations with people. I don't necessarily think there's anything there and it turns into something big. So yeah, uh, yeah, we'd love to, to hear from you. Um, and, uh, of course, thank you again, Brian, for, for having me on. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. All right, Rod Kurtz, everybody, entrepreneur, author, and currently the entrepreneur in residence at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And uh, he's got his latest cohort up and running there. And listen, uh, keep those the comments coming, the feedback. I love them. 
Uh, and, and, you know, if you subscribe to our newsletter, we started asking questions on it. I got great feedback from people today. So I love the engagement that we're getting. And maybe you can help me figure out what my story is uh, so that I can <laughs> I can kind of solidify it. And we will see you next week on another episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. Until then, everybody, have a great day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.